All right, you're back in the DFSR. It's an NFL podcast. It's Wednesday. It's November 18th. I'm Doug Norian. Over there is James Davis. Coming at you with some Week 11 cash game picks. Cannot believe we're in Week 11 already. We're sprinting down the, uh, the, the NFL highway here. A week away from Thanksgiving. Got Thanksgiving games next week. They're absolutely brutal for the early games, but we'll talk about that <laughs> next week. It's like... I think, what'd you say uh, when you saw the schedule? It was like... It's, just, just, it's, it's intentionally designed that way so families will spend more time on Zoom with each other instead of watching football. Oh, right. Good. So, yeah, there's no, reason, there's no reason to gather together 10 people at a time for Thanksgiving when it's like Houston and Washington on Thanksgiving. It's like, hey, just go, stay in your own separate houses and enjoy Yeah, like the uncles and aunts were all going to come over, and now they're just going to stay home because they don't. their games are bad. So it's like saving lives, you know. A socially responsible NFL. I like that. And, you know, yeah. just medically responsible, too. Week 11, uh, interesting week here. I think that we're kind of honing in on a path um, as opposed to some other weeks. All, as always, there's injury stuff. As always, there's COVID stuff. There's random testing. And I you know, saw a couple of positive tests today. It's too much to keep track of at this point. So uh, I don't think I'm even going to bother uh, with that right now. And there is also some injury stuff that we're waiting on um, with some of the, specifically the running backs, but we'll get into that. How are you feeling going into week 11 here, coming off a really weird week last week? I mean, mega chalk from running backs um, that were generally pretty uninspiring, some weird weather games that kind of got us twisted around in terms of like where to you know, slot in safe plays. Uh, week 10 was, I don't want to call it a full-blown mess, but it was, uh, the, the cash lines were so low. It was just a really, it was, a, it was just a bad fantasy week in general. Yeah, I mean, it was the lowest cash game lines, yeah, I mean, since we've started the business, I mean, if not that low, pretty darn low. I mean, all three of the major chalk running backs were bad. Then, you know, filling in around it was almost impossible because of all the weather as well. I think everyone was kind of scrambling with their lineups because we had these supposed hurricane force winds that were going through like three uh, or four games. So, yeah, from top to bottom, it really was a challenging one. Um, I don't know. You know, I was kind of auditing opportunity for this week and i found that really difficult as well like how much information do i really take from last week especially in the big weather cities and with the number of the injuries that were going on so yeah certainly a strange one those are bound to come up but uh last week was definitely on the, the skinny end of the bell curve there in terms of strangeness we have um we have some decent offenses going against bad defenses this week which i like that that kind of starts to help I think, hone in some of the picks here. We'll go through it. And then, as always, tomorrow we'll be back on with our game-by-game breakdown for every game on the main slate. Uh, I do want to throw out one bet here because I put out my betting article a little bit early this week. And just to make sure it doesn't go missed, I do like Arizona plus 3.5 against Seattle, which is the Thursday night game. Haven't done too many Thursday night bets in that respect. But um, the article went up a little early because I wanted to make sure that that bet got in there. I do like... uh, I like uh, Arizona getting some points there. So uh, you can go check out the betting article, which is now 4-0-1 over the last, no, score 4-1-1 over the last two weeks in terms of against the spread bets. So go check that out. That's up on DFSR.com. Let's start with quarterbacks. Uh, I want to go in a different order than I wrote in the article, which I didn't. All right. Okay. So it's not like anyone cares. I don't think you're like reading along with the article. Yeah, while I was listening to the podcast. Okay. Uh, I got to start with Justin Herbert, I think, here. He has been, since week two, has been let me look real quick I think I had it I think it's fifth overall yeah he's the fifth best fantasy uh, quarterback from week two on which is basically when he took over for Tyrod Taylor and that's only behind the absolute elite group of guys Kyler Mahomes uh, Josh Allen Russell Wilson and then Justin Herbert this week gets a Jets team that is 
awful. Uh, don't really have another way to put that. They rank, I believe they rank dead last against the pass. Yeah, they've actually somehow, against all odds, taken over the worst pass defense in the league from Jacksonville, which was so far and away the worst pass defense for weeks and weeks and weeks. And somehow the Jets said, hold my beer, like here we come. <laughs> and they are now they are now dead last. The uh, Chargers are pretty big favorites here, but Herbert has just been shown that he has a solid floor with the running. Um, the passing, he has Keenan Allen there. I probably wanted to be a little more efficient, 67%, but it's fine overall. Thoughts on running Herbert out here in cash as, as a safe option? And this is knowing we have guys like you know Watson. I'm going to get to Lamar Jackson in a second, but um, how are we feeling about running Herbert out there in cash? Yeah, the floor has been excellent too. Uh, that's kind of an underrated aspect about Herbert. A lot of people point to the big playmaking ability, you know, occasionally what he does on the ground, but he just goes out there. Sixty-seven percent is honestly not that bad either, and twenty twenty-two or more Fanduel points in each of the last six weeks. That's just straight up great. Um, you are paying for it, but like you said, you can pay a premium in what should be an excellent matchup. I guess if there's any potential fly in the ointment here for cash is that you're basically paying an all-time high price and the Chargers shouldn't need to run like they or I'm sorry shouldn't need to pass as often as they have recently right I mean because they've been quietly just one of the losingest teams in the NFL this season they don't feel that way because they were ahead in so many of those games and you know played a lot of close games but we haven't really seen them follow a game script where they're just up by 13 right and they just get to kind of cruise it on in like and I don't know I think that could be something that drives down some value but I think if they get there it'll probably be on the back of his arm anyway so uh so yeah great play um not like the safest play ever like Kyler the last couple of weeks basically but still solid for sure yeah uh, we might be able to cover our backside on the on the offense here if we didn't think they had to pass enough but uh, we'll get to that when we get to running backs yeah, I think overall Herbert has just been, I get we're paying an all-time price, high price, and he's just been among this this best group of, of guys this season. And you're right, you know, yeah. some of the game scripts have worked out. They've needed to play catch-up. They've had some weird stuff happen in their games. Overall, though, the offense has not been the issue there at all. It's just really been their inability to just, you know, it's really an inability to just kind of close late on either end of the ball. And that's where that's where the season really should, I'm with you, the, the record should, feels like it should look way better, and it just simply doesn't. And I, you know, we want to call it coaching, want to call it bad luck. I think it's probably somewhere uh, a mix of that. I mentioned Lamar Jackson. Look, this isn't Lamar Jackson from last season by any means. We know this at this point. Um, it's just not happening. We knew the touchdowns were going to come back down to earth, the passing touchdowns, that is. We knew that was going to come back down to earth, so I don't think anyone expected him to go out and do that. Well, I mean, at least we didn't go out and do what he did last season in terms of through the air, especially considering the amount of attempts. It hasn't been awful. It just hasn't been great, and especially when you compare it to sort of like where he was last year. He has had an epically bad run of opponents he's had a very right. very very difficult run of opponents I think the Baltimore has the most difficult schedule in the league so far in terms of just opponent record so from that standpoint you want to believe there's room for growth here on Jackson and he does play a Tennessee team which whose defense has not really has been bottom third on the season right now right like they're ranked 25th against the pass 19th against the run the game projects to be not quite a shootout, but does like having Baltimore as favorites here. Do you think we see like a kind of a return for Jackson to what we had sort of expected from him? Or is it just like too expensive to pay for a guy who it's really, the, the ground stuff is still there though. It's like maybe it's still behind last season, but you know, what are your thoughts here on Lamar? Because our priors might be affecting our, 
even our priors, which were lower probably than other industry stuff, but like our priors are, might still be affecting this projection in a way that he just hasn't seemed to accomplish this season. Yeah, I, and I think by and large, we probably should downgrade, especially the passing. Uh, the passing has just not been there, right? I mean, last year he was an excellent passer. This year he doesn't have 300 yards in a single game. So they have to come down. Um, that being said, we also saw when he came up his rookie year, we know when Baltimore, when they have their backs against the wall, that they do have a card they can play that I believe they would prefer not to, which is just getting him out there running 11 to 17 times in a game, right? Like we know that they will do that if they feel like they need to. After that embarrassing loss to New England, I can't see how we're not in that, you know, DEFCON mode now, right? right. So at $8,400, you don't need much more than what you got from him in that New England game last week. And I think you can count on getting more. I, I think that this is a week, like you're buying a little bit low, right? Like he's solidly an $8,800 plus quarter rack in most weeks as well. Tennessee's a fine matchup. I think he's very playable here. And I think it'll look like, I think this could be his biggest game of the season. Not that you can ever project that or pencil it in, but I'm expecting 25 plus fantasy points. And I think the floor is quite high because I think he gets 60 plus rushing yards and on average, like half a rushing touchdown or something. That's kind of what I'm expecting going into this game. So, uh, you know, stranger things have happened. He could go out there and stink. He's been mediocre against other good matchups at different spots this season. But I, I don't think that's going to happen here. Yeah. So if you look at his rushing totals over the last, if you go to the first five weeks, he was averaging somewhere around eight carries per game. And over the last four weeks, it's been 9, 16, 13, 11. Like that's, so they've definitely increased yep. his time. Now, look, I kind of, I kind of cherry-picked where I did the cutoff point because the cutoff point is the two rushes against Cincinnati in a very easy win where they won 27-3. to So I chose to lump that into the first five games <laughs> instead of the second five games, which probably throws the numbers off a little. But the three straight weeks, at least, of double-digit carries for him does speak to what you're saying, is that they're just trying to get him out more. They're, I guess they're, they're feeling the, the need to at least utilize their best weapon in the offense, and that's the part where... I feel a little bit more encouraged because he is averaging, you know, more than 60 over the last three weeks. It's right around 60 rushing yards a game. And if you add in the fourth week against Philly, where he ran for 108, you can sort of see the trend has been a little bit more than what we saw in the, in the earlier in the season. So, and also too, the last two weeks in terms of completion percentage have actually been very good. Like he was 83% against Indy and then 71% against New England, which is, you know, represents his two best games since the first two games of the season. So I think for Lamar, we're probably buying at a fair price, if not like a tick low. And if he can just turn things around a little bit here, I think that we're probably seeing him as a value. And it's hard for me to imagine him killing you in this situation is mostly what it is, right? Like, I think, like, I think that's where it is. Like, if I had to look at floor, I'd probably take Jackson over Herbert just because, yeah, I I, just because I don't – if they win by a lot, it's because of him. And if they're playing catch-up, it feels like he's going – like, if they get into an absolute shootout, then it's hard for him to kill you. Like the game scenarios don't seem to get away from him as quickly as they do from Herbert. Yeah, I think that's right. I think there's a world where also Herbert like doesn't get the touchdowns. Maybe they go to Balazs in the running game or Kelly or somebody, and then they're up by a bit, and then they just you know rest on their laurels. Like we've seen a lot of teams have like 20 pass attempts you know against the Jets, right? right. And so I don't think that's outside the realm of possibility. That being said, both are great options, and I, I think I'd be happy with either. Quick throw in here on DraftKings if you want to go cheaper, which I don't find to be totally unreasonable. I did write up Alex Smith. Um, he's mm-hmm. been decent. 
from a yards perspective since taking over Kyle Allen, the touchdown passes have not been there, and he's not really going to run. He's thrown a ton in his first two games, and that could definitely just kind of cycle back to if they, you know, if they're getting into a running game. But they are playing Cincinnati, who's a very bad defense. Uh, Smith has shown uh, very good accuracy again, if nothing else. Like he's thrown to McKissick a ton. We're going to talk about him a little bit, I'm sure. So if you, and mostly it's just that on DraftKings where the savings is material. You're paying, yeah, fifty three hundred for him on DraftKings, and that can start to free up a little more safety around the other positions. So just something to keep in mind. I'm not going to go too far into it. It's definitely sort of a speculative punt play along the lines of what I said with Daniel Jones last week, which ended up being actually a very good DraftKings play against uh, yeah, sure against did. Philly. So he's not. I don't like Smith for the same reasons I like Jones because I like Jones because I thought the running ability was there and um, it just, he was again so cheap. But uh, if they're forced to just throw a lot because the run game is tough, then I just think he can probably build on that at 5,300. So um, anyway, nothing more than that. But if you're looking to fit in like an expensive running back and an expensive wide receiver, i.e. McCaffrey and Adams, uh, Smith is definitely uh, the way to do it. Let's take a look at running back and what, you know, what we're looking at to start the week. The, the, the two guys that we have to probably start with in an either or situation is just McCaffrey and Dalvin Cook. They are both over well, McCaffrey's 10,000 on, on FanDuel, and Cook is 10-5. Uh, f- uh, and on DraftKings, um, I, don't think, I don't think they're over 10,000, but let me just check real quick. Um, it's not as, yeah, so it's 9,400 for McCaffrey. It makes a little more sense. He'd be more expensive because of PPR. And then Cook at 9,000. Do you see this as a week where, by the way, both excellent matchups where Cook gets Dallas and, and McCaffrey gets Detroit? Yeah. <laughs> what do we want to do here? Because it feels like everyone's going to walk into the week saying, one or the other and this is where I feel like I want to have a real clear sense of which one's the right guy because I think that we're going to see and it could be one more, one more than the other but I do think these guys are in every lineup in one way or the other yeah I think most people will go cook if I had to bet and that's probably probably the safer option all things considered especially given that McCaffrey missed time this season came back for a game he was excellent but then he missed another game right now the word is that they're hopeful that he'll take the field against the Lions on Sunday but that's not a guarantee by any stretch so we're, we're gonna sit and see, or wait and see uh, the big advantage you have with McCaffrey over Cook well two things first of all the targets tend to be worth a lot almost no matter what um, both in terms of you get the half point PPR on FanDuel and the full point on DraftKings but also they just go for more yards per play uh, we saw with Cook Last week against the Bears, sometimes the opportunity can be there. But if it's all carries, sometimes it just doesn't turn into huge fantasy value. Now, for the most part, it has with Cook. So it's less of a risk there for him uh, than for others, perhaps. But Cook, honestly, has been quietly sort of big play dependent, too, right? Like, it's a lot of games where he's like, fine, 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 70-yard touchdown. Now, it's nice that he's capable of that. Not everyone in the league is. But I think his floor looks a lot higher because of a clustering effect around those huge plays. So I think if we had a clean bill of health on McCaffrey, I would take McCaffrey. He's cheaper as well. So that also helps. Um, That's probably the off chalk though. And I don't know if you want to be, if you knew one way or the other, like if you knew that most of the field was going to play one of these guys, I would suggest taking that guy because otherwise you're just exposing yourself to undue variance. I think it's close enough that that you probably don't want to be sticking your neck out. So that's my general take. But yes, I do think you'll be able to afford it because I do think you have plenty of savings, both in your other one to two running back slots, tight end as always. Um, on DraftKings, you could play Alex Smith, like you said. So I do think people are going to be 
going for at least one of these two expensive guys. Yeah, I think in the end, I would just probably default Cook just from a couple tiebreaker things. Like the injury piece would be a tiebreaker that I would By the way, our, our projections on them are like very, very similar. So at that point, when we're wrestling, yeah. when we're wrestling around decimal points, um, at that point, I'm just probably looking for a narrative or two that I can talk myself into it one way or the other. Mm-hmm. And the health thing is definitely a piece of it. The minus seven at home piece for Minnesota, which is which is built into our projections. So don't worry about that piece. But like it would still kind of count for a little something extra, I think. <laughs> um, and just the fact that Dallas is just Dallas. So I think in the end, um, I, I'll i probably end up just saying, Cook, look, if McCaffrey gets ruled out, then it's a no-brainer, and Cook's going to be massive chalk again. But And he might be anyway, like just because everyone else is going to look at those question marks and say to themselves, um, it's just hard to talk myself into the, the, the issues around uh, McCaffrey. Where to go after him? There looks like there's some cheaper guys that we can maybe sink our teeth into. What else do you like here at running back? Yeah, so I, I do think there are some quite good cheap options. Um, the first one, you know, we mentioned him, nodded to him earlier, is Kalen Balash. You know, this Chargers running game has been sort of an enigma all season. It hasn't seemed like they knows what they're, know what they want to do any more than we know what they want to do. But they did lean into Balash quite a bit last week. So last week he had 102 yards on 24 total opportunities. That's carries plus targets. And that was even in a game where they were trailing, right? So... I think, and he and he's also just been significantly better on a per-touch basis than some of these other poo-poo platter options. Uh, Pope didn't even get in the game or touch the ball last week. That's a great sign. And Kelly has just been, they just don't believe in Kelly. You know, it's it's been, he's had every opportunity to seize this job. He's been very bad. And they, they just don't seem to want to give it to him. Every week, it seems like he goes out there and gets three yards of carry, right? <laughs> so, like, yeah, it's, it's just a murderer's row, his game log like he's got a nine carry for seven yard game against Tampa Bay Kelly's just not very good so I do think they believe in Balazs right now and like you mentioned with Cook the game script seems like it should be firmly in the Chargers favor with them being almost double digit favorites here against the Jets so I think Balazs is a favorite for 18 plus touches here and that should be more than enough in a pretty good matchup with the Jets now the Jets are much better against the run than they are against the pass so we could see you know, Herbert getting things established early on. But we know Balazs is also part of the down and close packages too. So I really just don't see a lot to complain about getting this guy at a sub $6,000 price when you actually do want to spend up at a couple other positions this week. And last week was one of the first times where we saw a definitive snap count um, sign of confidence in a running back from the Chargers. It's been snap count splitting central on that team all season mm-hmm. long until last week. And so when they finally just kind of – and the fact that they didn't they didn't split the snaps and the guy was effective means at least you get one more game of that love, I think. You know what I mean? I think it, I mean, that's – look, famous lost words with how these Chargers have rolled running backs because it's been very difficult to figure out what the plan is. And even with Eckler, they wanted to – they kind of wanted to split snaps. But the fact that Balazs was out there for 44 of them out of like the 60 offensive plays or whatever it was, that's easily the most uh, a Chargers running back, I believe, has gotten all year in terms of just snap count. So I think all things considered, he's a total lock for me. Talk to me about J.D. McKissick. What do we make of him? I, like He's a receiver now. Um, that's basically what his Correct. role is. J.D. McKissick is a receiver. He's a, he was a receiver who gets goal line carries. Yeah, like, that's right. He was down and close guy last week. I, like, <laughs> what more do you want from the guy? Yeah, it's, <laughs> it is, it's crazy. I was, I was a little, You were way bullish on him going into last week uh, for cash games. I was a little more hesitant hesitant. Uh, you were correct. Eight carries, 15 targets. It's back-to-back weeks of 14 and 15 targets from Alex Smith. It's just a real yeah. thing. They share the the, the court, God, in the NBA James Harden mode. Um, <laughs> they, they share the field together. 
uh, is he a lock for you? I mean, it's a weird way to, to, to play a running back. And I don't know. Like, it's just he's a half a running back and a full wide receiver one. Yeah, I think that's – and I'm not quite there on the wide receiver one, but he's more like – he's like Jamison Crowder, plus he gets goal line carries, right? And he's also really cheap. I, and I also just the way those games have been going, it's been kind of interesting to see. Like, it's not like these are all – because when you see a running back with this number of targets, you're like, oh, these are like, you know, check downs in the backfield or like, you know, playing screen passes or something like that. Now, McKissick's actually getting out there and running routes. Yeah. Like he's, he's playing wide receiver. So that's why the conversion rate might not be what you would expect for a running back. Like normally we just see if you get 15 targets, you catch 12, 12 of them unless you have stone hands. Um, but that being said, I, I think the role is pretty secure here, right? Um, Smith is passing all the time. Um, it's been actually reassuring that Smith is capable of getting the ball in the hands of guys like McLaurin too because that means that defenses can't just focus in on McKissick and just try to take that away. So, yeah, I think the opportunity is totally secure. He's very, very cheap on the account of basically no ownership last week since we had those three 75% plus guys. I like McKissick. I don't think he's a must. Uh, I think I'd prefer Balazs in a vacuum, and I think I'd really like to pay up for one of the big-name guys. But, yeah, I'd be totally fine with him out there in cash. He's a lock for me on DraftKings because of the targets. I don't think that one's particularly close for me. And one thing I want to, and one yeah. thing I want to mention here about, you know, in, just in terms of running back snaps and, diff, and how situations can differ from team to team. We actually mentioned this last week, so tip to us because I think we were on this going into last week, just not like fully confident from a cash game perspective. But this is a carryover from the week before: is that he and Gibson share the field at times. So if you combine their snap, well, okay, two things. One, McKissick outsnapped Gibson two to one, sixty-two. They ran an unbelievable eighty-eight plays on offense, which is like freaking ridiculous mm-hmm. how many offensive plays they ran last week. But they ran eighty-eight offensive plays. McKissick was on the field for sixty-two of them. Gibson was on the field for thirty-three of them, which I don't, you know, quick math that adds up to ninety-five. So they, you know, the easy math would say right. they shared the field for at least fifteen snaps last week with McKissick playing because they were playing from a little bit more because they were playing from behind. So uh, you know. Gibson did get the two rushing touchdowns, but yeah, I, this is just a situation where McKissick had one too. Yeah, uh, yeah, sorry, yeah, I, yeah, I didn't mean to. I thought, sorry, I just thought we mentioned that before with the down and close stuff. Um, the, Gibson yeah. was on the field there, but like this is a situation where it's not even. It's not like the, the Chargers one where you're like, oh, just you're staring at. It, you're like, I see Gibson on the. Or, you know, I see this guy in the field. That means my guy's not in the field. That's not the case here. Like they can Gibson can right. be in the backfield and McKissick's in the slot. Like that's just how they're running. That's how they're running offensive set. So. Really encouraging from a floor perspective for a guy that has a different sort of um, just sort of like makeup statistically than we typically see from running backs, mm-hmm. but I feel pretty darn good about it. All right, let's get yeah, uh, anyway, anything else here to hit on, on running back, or can we get into our receiver? Yeah, just there's a number of cheap guys you could look at this week. I mean, Damian Harris had 22 carries last week. Salvan Ahmed has emerged in the, as the guy in Miami. Duke Johnson is still there if that's what you want to do. Uh, there's still a situation to monitor in Cincinnati. DeAndre Swift took the reins in Detroit. Like, this is just a week where I don't think you want to be in the mid-range whatsoever, but there's a number of good options in that lower tier. Even if McKissick doesn't work out for some reason or Balazs gets hurt in practice this week, there's just a lot of cheap guys you can look at. And for big tournaments especially, you should have a lot of flexibility there. All right, wide receivers. I think we have to just have to start with, if we're, get, if we're talking about having d- good mid-range value, anyway at running back then I think we're just paying up for Devontae Adams just to just to start I don't think that's like a hot take or anything um the guy is just you know you know hurricane quote-unquote forced (laughs) wins last week and it didn't seem to matter still got 12 targets caught a touchdown had one called back so he really should have scored twice um 
like, look, rain, hail, wind, whatever, like the post office, this guy just gets every mm-hmm. every target in the world. I, I, I don't, you should call him the mailman. Oh, yeah, no one's ever thought of that. Just, and, he, <laughs> and he delivers on Sunday, like that. And so, <laughs> yeah, uh, there we go. So, so he's more like the Amazon. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly, right, like, like a, a way better version of the, of the mail. So <laughs> the... Uh, I mean, is there anything else to say here? I, it's just like he's in a group by himself. I, it's just, I, you know, the only reason the total targets don't look as good as some of these other guys is because you missed a bunch of time. Like, I, is there anything else to say here? Or should we just move on to, like, what the other options here? Because at this point, Adams, to me, is just in, and to everybody else, this isn't new. Like, it's just in a total group by himself. Yeah, I mean, he's quite obviously in, in a group by himself. If, I guess the big question around Adams is, Say, and I don't know if it, it's working out this way so far, but say you can only pick one of Adams or one of the top tier running backs, because oftentimes you just can't pay 9500 plus for two different guys on FanDuel. Do you have a sense to where you'd lean there? On DraftKings, I would go with Adams. Um, it's okay. just like the PPR is just so much. I, I just don't, I mean, I mean McCaffrey's PPR stuff. McCaffrey gets a PPR or two in his day as well. Yeah, I know. And it's, I guess maybe it's closer than I thought, but I, I, I don't I actually just don't think we're, and, and by the way, the other case against Adam, I and mean, this is not a great matchup against Indy. They, they play a little bit slower. Uh, the defense is pretty good. So it's not a top tier matchup, but it's just one of these things. Like mm-hmm. I hate to call guys matchup proof. Cause I think it's like the stupidest term in history. And here I go, I'm going to use it. But um, great. this, his numbers are just so overwhelming in terms of how many targets he gets. I just don't really know what else to say. So um, in a situation where I have to choose, so hopefully we're not there and there's just another cheap value because it's just, it's just becoming an increasingly difficult fade week to week, and that's not something we typically say about wide receivers. Yeah, and it might be a case where the cheap running backs are just better than the cheap wide receivers, right? So yeah. like, let's say you're relieving... I don't know, Damian Harris. You know, Damian Harris has got to be better than the wide receivers under 6,000, right? <laughs> like yeah, so just... Let's actually talk about those $6,000 wide receivers because I think like our okay. system's kind of living in this range right now and I'm, uh, I'm, at, I'm torn about what to do. So I wrote up, I'm hedging my, I hedged my write up here by just writing up all three Pittsburgh wide receivers and that's Juju, yeah. Chase Claypool, and Deontay Johnson. They get Jacksonville. Jacksonville, like yeah. as I mentioned before, still a very, very bad pass defense. And Pittsburgh, even in game scripts where you think they would run a lot, they've just passed a lot. Like these guys are supporting double, two, like two, and sometimes three guy, three wide receiver double digit target games in multiple weeks. Right? Like right. even the last couple of weeks, they've won pretty easily and still had double digit targets to multiple guys. So they're just kind of committed to the pass in a way that we don't see from other teams. Yeah, Connor's not been very good this year. And right. And a so lot of these I just possession guys have been great. So like right now. And it's kind of switched around based on matchup, like where we have like the cornerback matchups lining up. But like right now we have Chase Claypool and Juju Smith in FanDuel 1, let's say. But yesterday, before I did some updated matchup stuff, it was Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson. Mm-hmm. And so I just don't know. All of our inputs, I, I believe, are correct. But my problem is if you look back at some of these guys, each of them, like to a man, has the one target game in them, right? And so... Yeah. Like, we saw it with Claypool. We saw it with Deontay. I'm pretty sure we played Claypool in one of these weeks. So, I just – it's almost like I, I, I kind of try to think of a way to say, like, run versions of these three in cash with the idea that two of them are probably going to be good. And I know that's overstating it. But what are your thoughts here? Because the, the matchup's great. Each one of them is good on their own. But they all just three exist in a way that they can't really coexist with each other in terms of fantasy value because one's going to come at the expense of the other. Yeah, I mean, they all got there last week, um, all three of them. And 
they all have pretty consistent target share as well. Like I don't, I was, like I said, doing the audit earlier this week and I, I was just looking at these guys and I was like, it can't be right to give all of them nine targets, you know, like that just can't possibly be right. So I went and looked back and it just is like, unlike a lot of teams, see a lot of teams do this thing where they'll just have nine guys who get two targets each, right? Like that's mm-hmm. a really common thing. Like you look down the Saints game log and it's three guys you've never heard of had one to three targets. The Steelers just do consolidate into these top three most talented guys. And if you think about it, it makes sense, right? Like if you actually have three really good wide receivers, and Ben has had a, a track record too of also sustaining multiple wide receivers at the same time, right? That's how Juju came about in the first place, how we knew he was good, right? Is that he was doing it as a wide receiver too. So I don't think it's unreasonable to play multiple Steelers this week in what amounts to the best possible matchup, particularly how much the running game has struggled. So I don't have a gut for which ones I would lean into more. I would guess Juju on the pedigree and then Deontay Johnson just because it's been a little bit more consistent when they've all been healthy. Um, Claypool's kind of come and gone a lot more, but and the conversion for Claypool wasn't quite as strong last week. But I, I'm fine with any of it. And I think, like you said, playing two out of three, they're all basically the exact same price too, so uh, you really can mix and match. That seems totally fine to me, and there's just plenty of worlds where they're all three of them are fine, and you're just happy. So I'm I'm all in on the Steelers wide receivers this week. Yeah, and like, and I and I make the one other case for Claypool is that even though the consistency hasn't been there, they kind of want to run him every couple times a game, right? Like they like like that's like another piece where you know he maybe adds to his floor a little bit because he scored some rushing touchdowns this season. So it's funny because like there's a price point on Fanduel where you're like, do we just you play all three of them in cash? That feels kind of crazy, but yeah. the but they all exist in this price tier where, you know, like right now, the next guy. So right now, look, this is not how things end up, but I just want to like kind of make the point. Right now, um, a lineup we have is looking something like Herbert and Cook and Balazs. You feel good about that. Then we have Chase Claypool and Juju Smith. And then we have Brandon Cooks at 6,100. And I'm like, huh, what if we just do Giante Johnson at 6,400 there? Do something worse with the D. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. I don't. It's it's never in the war, never in the history of our of us doing this has this ever even been close to mathematically viable to do something like that. So I'm only using just like the math and the projections, and it's actually pretty darn close on that. So um, not to say this is where we land, but I just don't really like anyone else in this. I don't really like any like I don't like Brandon Cooks. I, I don't know maybe like I, the Houston offense and the, the, whole, the whole thing situation is weird there. I don't have a great feeling about it beyond that. So I don't. Know, this is all to say, it's it, it's it's. It's crazy to me that we're, I'm even discussing it. I doubt we land there, but we've never even thought. I've never even thought about a situation like this. Yeah, I like Brandon Cooks. I, you know, you threw his name out there. He was getting nine targets a week plus, week after week after week. Mostly pretty effective on those targets too. And the game he was in last week was just an outrageous wind game, right? So right. Uh, there were no good passing options in that game. He still caught six of the eight targets thrown his way. He's clearly the one thing that's working in that offense right now. I don't see a world where Houston winds up being able to get away from him. So uh, I think you'll see him return to nine-plus targets and be a good play. Um, but I'd be more than happy to play him. Okay, so you feel a little bit better about him than I do. Uh, just real quick, on DraftKings, where the prices matter, I did throw out just a couple of cheap guys here. KJ Hamler's seen double-digit targets in multiple weeks. He might be just merging as the wide receiver, too, there. Chris Conley is basically tied with DJ Chark since uh, Luton took over for um, Minshew in terms of uh, target share for the multiple weeks. So just another guy that's coming at 3,000 that's, uh, you know, that's been. 
you know, decent and it's unlikely to kill you. So that's uh, that's just kind of where I went with some cheaper wide receivers. I mean, even Mike, like Michael Gallup's come at 3,700 on DraftKings with Andy Dalton back. I don't know. There's probably worse ways to go. Give me a quick um, begrudging tight end breakdown. It's week to week here with this. I just, I'm, I'm not even going to go through the spiel again. It's worthless. Uh, I did see one number though. Uh, I should just look this up. Shoot. I should have had this. I saw a number that said something like, um, Darren Waller's the tight end one on the season, and he ranks as like wide receiver thirty four. Yeah, that's about right. Like it's it's just, which is just that that's it. That sums it up. Tight end stinks. Who who should we look at this week? Yeah, it just reinforces the idea that we're going to hope to pay down. Uh, the guy I'm looking at this week in that range is Hayden Hurst. He's a guy that a lot of people were excited about coming into the season, and it wasn't always there early on, but he's just been pretty steady in what he does provide, which is fifty to sixty yards a game. You know, seven ish targets. He's chipped in three touchdowns on the year as well. So tight end's a wasteland. If you can escape by paying not very much and getting five-plus fantasy points, like that's kind of all we can ask for at this point. Uh, and I think the consistency is pretty important there too. So he's the guy that I'd like to play. I think there are other guys you can consider too. Like if you're chasing upside, Mark Andrews I think is pretty interesting. He's a little bit more expensive. But he had nine targets last week, caught seven balls. He has two two touchdown games on the season, too. So, you know, he's a part of uh, that down and close package for Lamar. Definitely a comfortable outlet for Lamar as well. So, um, yeah, I think he could be good. But you're not going to want to pay an extra 1000 for him over Hayden Hurst, I don't believe. And then after that, you're basically throwing darts. You know, I don't see how anyone could look at this tight end picture and say, oh, no, here's the guy. Here's the diamond in the rough. Like, even when we've seen guys be good for small stretches, like, you know, TJ Hawkinson or whatever, they can go back down to two targets in a heartbeat. Johnny Smith was the guy, like a 70% owned cash game player early in the season. He's, you know, relinquished to obscurity again as well. So yeah, Hayden Hurst is my guy for this week. So that's, that's what I'm super excited about here today. All right. DailyFantasySportsRankings.com is a site. DFSR.com for short. Head on over, grab a free trial. DFSR.com slash deals. We'll get you started on our optimal lineups for FanDuel and DraftKings NFL. PGA, uh, all going during the season, NBA, less than a month away. So go check that out. It's all covered in the one subscription package, dfsr.com slash deals. We'll be back again tomorrow when we break down every game in the main slate.